Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. A stark assessment from the Chancellor. We are likely to face uh, a severe recession, the likes of which we haven't seen. While the UK death toll hits 40,000, the number of deaths not linked to coronavirus also rises. The number of excess deaths is going to be one of the most important numbers throughout the pandemic because the number of deaths linked to the virus is inevitably going to be underreported. And is the government doing enough to support children and young people with special needs over the lockdown? This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The Chancellor says the UK is seeing an unprecedented recession, the likes of which we haven't seen before. Rishi Sudak told the House of Lords committee the lockdown's having a significant impact on the economy and an immediate bounce back isn't certain. The question that that occupies my mind and indeed in long term is is probably more relevant is you know what degree of long-term scarring is there on the economy as a result of this recession you know what is the debt what is the loss in productive capacity because ultimately once we recover from this crisis by nature it, I, I believe it will be temporary of course we will uh, we've suppressed the virus we will progressively now lift the restrictions. Uh, the question is, what do we return to? Uh, and, you know, the question there, the, the jury is out. It follows new figures revealing that the total number of people who claimed benefits in the UK in April was the highest since comparable records began 14 years ago. A further 857,000 people claim benefits over the first full month of the lockdown. The Telegraph's economics editor, Russ Lynch, has the story. For almost a decade, Economists dared to believe that mass unemployment in the UK was a phenomenon largely consigned to the history books. No longer. Despite 10 years of stagnant real-term pay and weak business investment, low unemployment has always been seen as one of the rare glimmers of light on the domestic economic scene. Now, thanks to the COVID shutdown, the UK has the worst of both worlds. An underinvested economy and dull queues about to stretch to 1980s proportions, as the Bank of England's chief economist, Andy Haldane, suggested in a Telegraph interview last weekend. An 857,000 rise in unemployment claims in April might be bad enough, but the real truth of the figures is likely to be a lot worse. The data on claims in today's numbers is only up to the second Thursday of the month, so the next set of figures might well make even grimmer reading. To put the effect of the lockdown into context, the 857,000 claims is six times larger than the worst month of the financial crisis in February 2009, when 143,000 claims were made for state support. If all those fed into the unemployment figures, the UK is already looking at a jobless rate of around 6.5%. 
Unfortunately, we look like we're only in the foothills of this jobs crisis and well on the way to unemployment of more than 3 million. The government's coronavirus job retention scheme has protected 8 million workers so far, but economists warn that up to 20% of these jobs could disappear altogether as the UK economy eventually reopens in a socially distanced world under the shadow of the coronavirus. When the government support scheme ends in October, a crisis born in spring threatens a winter of discontent on jobs. Deaths from COVID-19 in Britain could stop by the end of June if current trends continue, according to leading scientists. Data from the Office for National Statistics shows that on average, deaths are now falling at a rate of around 30 a day. And speaking at a press briefing, Carl Hennigan, a professor of evidence-based medicine at the University of Oxford, said there would be a sporadic rise and fall in deaths over the next four to six weeks, but he wouldn't expect to find coronavirus listed in the ONS death data by the end of June. That's if current measures continue to be observed. Over 40,000 people have now died with coronavirus in the UK. As the government confirmed on Tuesday, another 545 people had died in all settings. But the true death toll could be much higher, as new figures show the number of excess deaths in early May topped 53,000. That refers to the number of deaths higher than the average for that time of year. Dominic Gilbert from The Telegraph's data team says this measurement will prove crucial. The number of excess deaths is going to be one of the most important numbers throughout the pandemic because the number of deaths linked to the virus is inevitably going to be underreported. That much has been clear through the last two months around mid-April when the virus peaked in the UK. The number of deaths occurring were around double what we'd expect to see for that time of year, but only around 60 to 80% of them were officially being linked to coronavirus. Um, That's partly because of an underreporting due to lack of testing, but some of those deaths also won't be linked to coronavirus at all. It will be among those people who haven't gone to hospitals when they needed to because of the pressures on the health service at the moment. So that's led to the number of unexplained excess deaths, which are the ones above average, which haven't been linked to coronavirus, disproportionately affecting the community. If we exclude coronavirus deaths, the number of people dying in hospitals has been consistently below average during the pandemic. Since around the middle of March, about 9,000 deaths that would have occurred in hospital have just been exported into the community. And as a result, there's been around 21,000 excess deaths in care homes and 11,000 in people's homes. And very few of those are being linked to coronavirus. Only 45% of excess deaths in care homes and 14% of those in people's homes have been officially linked to the virus. So it's still unclear why a lot of those people died. One positive to take away from the numbers is that across all settings, the number of deaths is falling. In hospitals, the peak came on April the 8th and in care homes on April the 17th. A week is a very long time in politics, especially if you're trying to plan a summer holiday. Just over a week ago, Boris Johnson confirmed rumours that travellers arriving at UK airports will have to self-isolate for two weeks. I'm serving notice that it will soon be the time, with transmission significantly lower, to impose quarantine on people coming into this country by air. And if we were left in any doubt, a few days later, Health Secretary Matt Hancock warned summer holidays abroad were indeed likely to be cancelled. But a beacon of hope for those hoping to travel came in the form of Transport Secretary Grant Shapps' proposal of air bridges on Monday evening. The plans would mean holidaymakers could travel to countries with similar levels of the virus without quarantining on return and would be reviewed every three weeks. Greece and Portugal have already suggested they'd be open to reciprocal agreements with the UK, but the Telegraph's deputy head of travel, Nick Trend, isn't entirely convinced. 
It sounds hopeful, but the Foreign Office is still currently advising against all overseas travel, and even a modest rise in virus cases in this country could easily scupper the air bridge's idea. The problem with such radical policy shifts is that the uncertainty just makes things worse. Many consumers who'd given up hope on their holidays now face having to pay the final balance, even though the chances of travel look 50-50 at best. And many people, fearing for their family's health, surely aren't ready to start flying again and won't welcome the idea that their holidays are going to go ahead after all. Even those who are more bullish may not feel drawn to the prospect of a vacation where you may be served your paella by a waiter in rubber gloves with a transparent screen between you and your neighbours. It doesn't quite embody the holiday spirit. So whether you're fearful or sceptical, it will still now probably be weeks before we know whether we have a summer holiday or not. Nick will be holding a live Q&A on all things travel on The Telegraph's website at 1pm on Wednesday. If you have a question about air bridges, travel bubbles or one of the other fruitily named ideas aimed at salvaging the summer holiday, or maybe you just like to know how to avoid a travel voucher and actually get a refund on your cancelled flight, you'll find details of how to join that in the show notes to this episode. Lockdown is tough for every parent, but for families who have children with autism or other special educational needs, the unpredictable changes in routine and restrictions on movement have an impact that puts regular struggles into perspective. To help families cope, people with learning disabilities or autism were allowed to leave the house to exercise more than once a day, almost a month before the rest of the population. But charities such as Contact, which supports families of people with disabilities, have reported a surge in demand for their services and a listener called Tati got in touch to say she didn't feel the experiences of parents of children with disabilities were being communicated enough in the media. Many parents of children who normally rely on the support of daycare staff have been left without any help at all. Support like this is, of course, all but impossible while social distancing advice remains in place. And over this period, health and local authorities are no longer legally bound to provide all the provisions they usually would for children and families in that position. Tati, you're right, we're not hearing enough from people living through this. So earlier I gave Helen a call. She has two daughters in their early 20s, both with severe autism, severe learning disabilities and epilepsy. And she started by telling me how life under lockdown is looking for them. At the moment, I'm at home with my elder daughter, Lucy, and we're very lucky. We're in a house. We've got our own space. So we've been, you know, physically very comfortable. But basically, as soon as we went into lockdown, all the other services that Lucy usually accesses stopped. So her life stopped and in a way that was very difficult to explain to her. Lucy's natural instinct is to shut down. You know, it's it's perfect. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to go anywhere I don't want to. I don't have to go to busy places. I can just stay here in my room, watch dog videos on YouTube. But obviously, you know, that's not living. It's not a life. Ever since she was a baby, really, we've had to encourage, push, back off, push again, trying to get her to interact with you know, life and living. So sort of taking her back, whilst Lucy finds that instinctively quite easy, it's potentially doing her a lot of damage. And your situation means you're also having to take on extra roles. You're not only a parent now, but you're also a carer. How are you doing? I suppose the hardest bit for me is 
not being able to explain to Lucy when this is going to end. And also for me, not knowing when this is going to end, because when carers and daycare centres can go back to work, we're really at the end of the lockdown line. If there's a second spike, that projects even further. And it's, it's that not knowing, I think, that is hard because I don't get as much social contact as, as I would normally get. You know, I can't see friends and family in the way I normally do. And, that, and that's the bit that's, that's tricky for me. You spoke there about feeling like you were at the end of the line. And when I first approached you to talk, you thanked me and you said, it's nice to know you haven't been completely forgotten. Do you feel like you've been forgotten? When you have a disability or a child's disability, you know, you are in a minority. So you don't expect to be at the forefront of everyone's attention. But this, in some ways, it isn't just about people with disabilities. It's about people who need care and support. And it's very limiting to think of care and support just in terms of helping someone get out of bed or cook a meal. There are lots of facets to that. And that's the bit that, that seems to have been overlooked. And don't you know, I don't know the answer to this. It is extremely difficult. Well, it's impossible to provide care with social distancing. You, you are looking at people having to take risks. The alternative to that is the people who have the needs themselves having to take risks. And it's because it's multifaceted, it's because it's not clear. And we can't just wave a flag and say, this is what we need. There doesn't seem to be anybody out there thinking about it. You can stay at home, so you stay at home. And it's just not that easy for some people. If there's a topic you think we should be covering, or maybe you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, send me a voice memo or an email. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll have your next update on Wednesday evening. In the meantime, head to telegraph.co.uk slash audio where you can get a trial subscription to The Telegraph for free. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.